Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. How many finished your Christmas shop? How many started? Okay. It's crazy out there, right? Have you been out there? People shoving and pushing, cars being parked all over the place, and people getting into, fight, into fights. It's like really nuts. And every year it's more and more commercialized. And if you would ask somebody what the meaning of Christmas is, I don't think they could really tell you. I think their interpretation of Christmas would be buying presents, going out to dinner, whose house we're going to go to for Christmas Eve. We just don't know what the meaning of Christmas is. And sometimes as Christians, we don't know either. We get to know the story so well that we become complacent about what the story really means. So that's why I titled tonight, What's Your Christmas Story? What's your connection to the Christmas story? You know, sometimes when you talk to kids and you ask them what the Christmas story is, you get that innocence from them. I'm going to run a video. There's an elementary school kids that uh, they ask what the Christmas story is. I just want to show you what the reaction was. Once upon a time, there lived a girl named Mary, and an angel came to her one day and said, I'm having a baby. A baby? What kind of baby? Look like pumpkins. That's it? And frogs. Mary went to go tell Joseph, her husband, who she was marrying. We're going to have a baby, and he's going to be the son of God, and I don't know what we're going to do about it. They traveled to Bethlehem to pay their taxes, and they probably didn't want to walk that far. They wanted a sports car. The rooms were full because it was Christmas Eve. They asked people, and they said there's nowhere to stay. Yes, I'm Joseph. Where do we stay? I have no idea. They asked the, um, the innkeeper, do you have any rooms? He said, no, I don't, but you can sleep in the, um, you can sleep in the barn. She was like, I'm not staying there. Is that the only place we can go? <laughs> Stinky. They said, okay, and then... The ba- baby Jesus was born. The shepherds were out in the field. They take care of sheep. And it was Davis and his brothers and his dad, Jeffrey. No, not Davis. Daniel. And then the angel showed, showed up and said um, that um, God's being <laughs> born. And then they said, follow the star. Follow the brightest star. You'll see the ba- you'll see baby Jesus. What else? Wise men were um, three kings from the east. And they saw this bright light. And it was when Jesus was born. They brought gifts to her. Metal presents, gold, something and something. Gold. Um, and... Frankenstein and... Bow. They look like metal. 
It's about Jesus. He wanted to love people, and he wanted them to be happy. First, he was a little baby, and then his dog grew up to be a man, and then he was Jesus. He uh, made us, and he loves us. He's God, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is Santa's birthday. There's um, a cute innocence about them when you ask them the Christmas story. They seem to piece things together. Uh, today I want to do the same thing. I want to piece together the Christmas story from the Bible. The Christmas story is found in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. So in order to make the Christmas connection, we need to know the Christmas story. And a lot could be said about the Christmas story today. So I want to focus on the significance of the Christmas story. It comes into three parts. A story of faith, a story of courage, and a story of love. Mary's part in the Christmas story can be summarized with one word, and that's faith. In Luke chapter 1, we read that the angel Gabriel announces to Mary has been chosen to give birth to Jesus the Messiah. Imagine Mary's surprise when she is told after us that her assignment was to be Jesus' earthly mother. All of this was astonishing to her. So if we look at Luke 1, 34, then Mary said to her angel, How can this be? since I do not know a man. Mary was told that she would fall pregnant and give birth to a son who would have deity and bloodline and who would one day be the king of Israel. Mary asked the angel how this could possibly take place since she was a virgin. Literally, what she said was, since I'm a man I not know or since I have no sexual relationship with a man. Mary's question was not one of unbelief. She believed that she was told. She didn't even ask for some kind of confirmation as Zachariah did with Elizabeth. She simply didn't understand how she could possibly become pregnant. She did not laugh as Sarah did and had laughed when she was told she was going to bear a son. She did not dismiss the angel's words. She simply asked for clarification about something she believed was going to happen. In Luke 35, 17, Luke 35, in Luke 1, 35 to 38, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. The angel, and then the angel has left her. Knowing the enormous price she would pay, Mary surrendered herself first to the Lord and then to his plan. Notice that all we have made much of the cost of Mary. She says not a word of it. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Mary was trying, was saying that she was a bond slave. 
willing to serve herself, sell herself out completely to God. She would possess herself no longer, but would give herself completely to God. That's a wonderful childlike aspect of her faith. Near the beginning of 2005, there was an article in the paper uh, about a school in China where Chinese officials from the Public Security Bureau burst into a Sunday school room at a local church. They found 30 children inside the herd and herded them into a van. Despite the scary situation, one child started to sing. In a few moments, the van was filled with song. Upon arrival at the police station, the children marched bravely into the interrogation room, still singing to the Lord. The Chinese officers attempted to force the children to write down, I do not believe in Jesus, telling them they had to write it a hundred times before they would be released. Instead of obeying, the children wrote, I believe in Jesus today, I believe in Jesus tomorrow, and I will believe in Jesus forever. Frustrated, the officials called the children's parents. Some of them who came down did deny Jesus. However, one widow believer absolutely refused to deny Jesus when she came to pick up her sons. The officers threatened her, saying, if you do not deny Jesus, we will not release your sons and throw them in jail. The widow replied, well, I guess you will just have to keep them because without Jesus, there would be no way for me to take care of them. Faith is a bold conviction. Faith is a deep, settled assurance that God will do what he promises you to do. With no avenues left open to the officials, officials are frustrated and told the woman to take your sons and go. Childlike faith is expressed when we can truly say in any situation or circumstance, I believe in Jesus today, I will believe in Jesus tomorrow, and I will believe in Jesus forever. Mary possessed a childlike faith. With absolute trust, Mary bows herself to the will of God and declares herself to be his servant. Her words must have brought great joy to the heart of God. He has always longed for his people to give themselves so unreservedly to him. Mary also surrendered herself to the Lord. Planned for her life as close as it was going to be, She says, may it be me as you have said, regardless of the consequences. May it be as you said. You see, Mary understood the issue of faith, conviction, to stand up for Christ. Do you have that same conviction as Mary? Do you have that faith? Faith is not a blind leap. We respond to a faithful God and a firm foundation. Faith is not a blank check. It's not about telling God what to do. He is not a cosmic genie waiting to grant us three wishes. Faith is not a bad choice. Faith is a bold conviction. Faith is deep, settled assurance that God will do what he promises to do. When we have the bold conviction, we will submit our lives to God's plan for our lives. What is God's plan for our lives? Just like Mary, God's plan for our lives centers on the person of Jesus Christ. To be saved, accept him as our savior, to serve him, to share with others. Have you submitted to God's plan for your life? If not, why? 
Mary teaches us this simple, simple principle. Submit to God's plan for your life. Mary would submit herself to the Lord even though she didn't understand it all. That's the significance of the Christmas story, a story of faith. Part two of the significance of the story is the story of courage. Joseph's part in the Christmas story can be summarized with one word, courage. From Joseph's example, we learn about living a life of courage, even when we can't face the most difficult challenges at all. Matthew 1, 18 and 19 reads like this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to the public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you ask the question, God, what's going on with me? What's going on? What are you trying to do to me? Who hasn't felt that way? We have all been there, and it seems like everything we had ever hoped for has suddenly disappeared, and you can't tell make sense out of the circumstances. You feel like your dreams and your hopes just left and crashed down. Well, that is where Joseph was, obviously confused and no doubt crushed by what was happening to him. When Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant, the news floored him. Why? Because he was engaged to her and he knew that he had not been with her, that he couldn't possibly be the father. There was only one logical conclusion. Mary had been unfaithful to him. You talk about a huge problem. That kind of problem you wouldn't want to have. Maybe some of the problems we might have this Christmas. You know, this Christmas your problem might be a financial problem. It might be a relational problem. It might be a spiritual problem. It might be a vocational problem. So what's your solution? Try not to think about it? Feeling sorry for yourself? Hoping it will all go away? Taking it, taking it out on somebody else? What do you do? It's a great question. Notice what Joseph did. After God spoke to him in a dream, he noticed what Joseph did. In Matthew one twenty four, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had, commanded him and took him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son and he gave him the name Jesus. Here we find Joseph putting feet to his faith. Look at the words again in 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, for he had no union with her until she gave birth to his son and gave him the name Jesus. Joseph had the courage to act on what God told him. Here's what we need to learn from Joseph. Courageous obedience. If we say we believe in God and yet not, behave, not yet our behavior says something else, we are not living by faith. Joseph had to make a courageous decision. He had to take, take for his wife a woman who is not bearing his child and in doing so, share in the unjust shame that he was, that was heaped upon her. He would be also undertaken to provide for a child and function in a fatherly role as he raised him. 
But Joseph did what the angel commanded him. Joseph's courageous faith in God was what enabled him to overcome the stigma of being the husband of Mary and to accept the responsibility of the child. Joseph, Joseph will always be remembered as a man of courage because he was willing to act on what he heard God telling him to do, despite the ridicule. He didn't make his decisions based on what others thought of him. He did what God asked him to do. After God spoke to him in a dream, Joseph faced his problem with courage and conviction and followed God and trusted him. Courage comes from our conviction and our commitment to God. Part three of the significance of the Christmas story is a story of love. God's part in the Christmas story can be summarized with one word, love. If we see in Luke 2, Luke 2, 4 through 7, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting her child. While they were there, the time came to the, for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him up in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Because of the Christmas story, some people think a manger is a nice little bassinet with soft bottom and frilly ribbons. Not so. At that time, a manger was nothing but a common feeding trough for cattle and other livestock. It was a crudely constructed piece of barn furniture. In the, in the nativity scenes, a lot of the manger appears as a little box inviting for a warm little baby to, to lie in. Instead, in reality, it was probably really long, narrow, smelly, sloppy, full of food and dirty animals eating out of it. Think about it. God humbled himself by coming into this world as a baby in a dirty, filthy manger. Why did he do it? 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but what he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He did it for you, and he did it for me. There is an amazing truth here. God initiated the relationship with us. That is the exact opposite of what religion teaches. Religion, religion starts with the assumption that we must initiate the relationship with God. Religion tells me that I must improve myself until I have earned the love of God. But the opposite is true. Think through these two statements. God loves you, and there is nothing you can do to make him love you more. God loves you, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. You cannot persuade God to love you more because his love is absolute. And although God hates sin, his love for us sinners is so absolute that he sent his own one and only son to die for us, where we were yet sinners. God loves us as he demonstrates it once and for all. He came to a manger for you. 
We see Joseph and Mary as part of the greatest love story of all. But do you realize you are part of the greatest love story? You are the recipient of God's great love. John 3.16 was written for you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You are the recipients of God's great love. He came all the way from heaven for you and me. A missionary in Africa, a teacher, was teaching an African boy, and an African boy was listening carefully as his teacher explained why Christians give presents to each other on Christmas Day. The gift is an expression of our joy over the birth of Jesus and our friendship for each other, she said. When, Christian, when Christmas Day came, the boy brought the teacher's beautiful seashell with all different colors. She said, where did you get, ever find such a beautiful shell? The teacher asked. The youth told her that he was only one spot where such a beautiful shell could be found, and it was miles and miles away from where he was. Why, said the teacher, why, it's gorgeous, it's wonderful, but you shouldn't have gone all that way just to get that gift for me. His eyes brightened, and the boy answered, long walk, part of gift. God came from heaven to a manger, from a manger to a cross, from a cross to a grave, and from a grave back to heaven. And we ask, why did God go through all this trouble? And if you ask God, God would say, long walk, part of gift. He did it for you, and he did it for me. The Christmas story points out to Christ the Savior, and it's a story of faith, a story of courage, and a story of love. The Christmas story points to Christ, your Savior. Will you trust him? Will you live for him? Do you love him? You have to realize your part in God's love story. Will you play your part by trusting him with your plans, with your problems, with your purpose? Mary and Joseph have struggled to find a place Mary and Joseph have struggled to find a place for Mary to have a baby. They finally secured a place in a stable because there was no room for them in the, in the inn. Out in the fields at night, the shepherds are isolated from one another as each, each guard the flocks entrusted to their care. Suddenly, the angel Gabriel appears to the shepherds in the fields. Rejoice! I bring you good tidings of joy, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You will find a child wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. All of the shepherds begin moving out of the hills toward Bethlehem. The scene shifts to the stable where Mary and Joseph are carrying for each their newborn baby boy. Out of the darkness, the shepherds arrive. One of them approaches his, his old face is drawn and worn, and his clothes and his skin are stained from working and sleeping in the fields. His eyes are filled with wonder at sight. There is a child that the angel told him to seek. He is looking at the Savior of the world. Slowly, he reaches out his hand to touch the baby's face. But then he becomes aware of himself and his condition. 
he realizes that he's unworthy and withdraws from, the, withdraws from his hand. But at that moment, Mary looks at the shepherd and encourages him to draw close and touch Jesus, saying, He is for all mankind. The shepherds in an story are not charming country lads with adorable lambs cast about their shoulders. Instead, they are shown as probably as they were, lonely, poor, unwashed men working in a difficult job who were despised by their own countrymen. When the angel appears to them, they were afraid. But we also learn that like the wise men, they have been eagerly waiting for the coming of the Messiah. So when they are told where to be, where he could be found. They rush to see him. But one shepherd actually stands before Jesus. His excitement turns into dismay as he recognizes his unworthiness, and he's right. It is easy to look at the dirty, disheveled shepherd and the smooth, unmarred skin of the infant Jesus and recognize the difference. If we were in Mary's place, most of us would have snatched our child away from the touch of this man. We should be grateful for the grace and mercy extended by men, to, by men, by God. All of us, without exception, are likely, are like, just like the shepherds. We are black with, with the stain of sin. We are utterly unworthy to reach our, out to our Savior. That's why God's gift is so great. God crossed the divide for us. Where we were unable, God was able. While we were in our sin, where we were his enemies, Christ came to die for the ungodly. He announced that whoever believed in him would not perish, but instead would be granted everlasting life. He has come to save us from our sins. This gift is extended to all people willing to receive it, as God intended. Jesus came for everyone. How sad that everyone will not come to Jesus. Some people think that they do not need this gift, that they are fine on their own and have no need to be redeemed. Others, like the shepherd, believe this gift to be wonderful for them, and they are afraid to approach him. Our role as ambassadors for his kingdom is to call the arrogant to repentance and to call the broken to come to him. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.